Hello, hello, hello. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you, Alicia. <laughs> Thank you so much. Good morning to the guys joining us online. Hello. Uh, my name is Leon. It's, a, it's a really it's a privilege and an honor to share God's word with you. And um, let me just say up front, um, I, I, I'm absolutely under the, the weight and the pressure, um, or shall I call it the enormity of this responsibility of just sharing on, on one of the names of, of God today. And um, I was talking to someone earlier, and I just I almost said it almost feels like I've just scratched at the surface. So I think what's so important is, in, and, and this is our, our hope and our prayer throughout the series, is that you would have been captivated by some of the names that we've been sharing on. It's, it's, it's not been an exhaustive list. It's only been a few. They've been wonderful. We really hope that you've enjoyed them. But we really do hope that you would, you would go and uh, delve in a little bit more um, in terms of what Scripture says about who God is. And then you would take that and you would, you would, you would come to know God through it, through that personal relationship with who He is. Right? Good. So... As I get ready here, let me ask you this, this question. Have you ever prepared for something or waited for something, maybe planned for something with uh, a friend, with your, with your spouse? Uh, maybe you've been saving up to go on a holiday. Maybe you've been saving to do some renovations at home or whatever the case may be. And you've decided, okay, we're going we're gonna to do it at a certain date. And then that date just seems like it, it, it's never going to come. just feels like it's taking forever to get there. And so halfway through, or maybe even halfway through, you decide, okay, I'm, I'm just going to get this done, right? And so let's say you've planned for something at home. You and your, your, your spouse are going to do something, and uh, you surprise her. Your wife gets home, and you go, look what I've done. Ta-da! And it's completely opposite to the plan that, you, that, that you've both agreed upon. <laughs> Gentlemen, if you're sinking in your seats... It's not, a, it's not a message on marriage today, but it is a message on a covenant, a relationship. It's this covenant of God with man, this, this grace, this mercy, this love that is wild, that is beyond description. And one of the things is that, you know, when we, when we do something like that in life, whether it's a personal goal, whether it's you, with someone, but let's say you've... You've, you've gone ahead and you've interrupted that plan. Maybe even God has spoken something over your life and you've just not been able to hold out and you've done something in the meanwhile to get to fast track God's plan, you know? And sometimes that leaves us with a sense of guilt, with shame, with regret. And as years go on, we, we know that shame doesn't disappear by itself, but it can actually grow and it become. Uh, what I like to liken it to is a millstone. Jesus even said that. He said, you know, don't hinder any of the kids. It would be better that a millstone be hung around your neck and flung into the sea. Not that this might drown you, actually. It's actually quite profound. <laughs> but really, that, that millstone of shame and regret it can actually lead to, to death, if, if you think about it. But, but God, right? So, uh, now that I've made a bit of an introduction... If you'd like to follow in your Bibles, the key text we're going to look at today is from Genesis uh, chapter 17. This is 1 to 5. It will be up on the board if you want to follow there. I'm reading from the ESV. 
When Abraham, uh, was, um, Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abraham fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abraham, but you shall be called Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. Wonderful portion of scripture, lots in there, and we're going we're gonna to look at that a little bit as we go forward. Um, so you would see that I bolded uh, where God said, I am God Almighty, and you would note in the footnote, it says that uh, God Almighty for Hebrew is El Shaddai. That is the name that we're going to be looking at today, El Shaddai. So the, the, the singular form of El is the Hebrew word for God. Or Yahweh, we sang about it this morning. The songs were great. The team, it was a wonderful time. Just the, the themes that came out there was, was really incredible. So thank you for that. But this is a composite name of God Almighty. So Shaddai, the Hebrew word for, 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 for Shaddai is what is said to be uh, termed as Almighty. Um, now you'd see there, I just put three other uh, versions, Bible versions up there. The, the New Living Translation Quotes it, it says, I am El Shaddai, or God Almighty, serve me faithfully, live a blameless life. Uh, the NIV says, walk before me faithfully, and ESV, walk before me and be blameless. So let's look at uh, this word in a little bit more detail. I've done some, his- some, some history and some homework for you. Uh, the Naves Topical Bo- uh, Bible Reference System in the Strong Bible's Concordance says that El Shaddai appears seven times uh, in Genesis 17, which we've just read. Genesis 28, 35, 43, 48, in Exodus 6, and in Ezekiel chapter 10. It probably means God the mountain, similar to God the rock, which we found in Deuteronomy 32. But all the studies, etymology studies, um, defines it as God the provider. How, how cool is that? So different to God the mountain, but defined as God the provider. Understanding should die to be derived from the word for breast, the Hebrew word for breast. And further on in uh, Strong's Concordance, uh, they say that Shaddai, the mountain one, as we've just mentioned, the mount, uh, other suggestions include the mountain, the maternal goddess of many breasts. It could also be uh, suggested as self-sufficient, as an Arcadian spirit, Shad, which was uh, the spirit's name, or almighty or omnipotent. Now, Shaddai, the word on its own, is used 48 times as the name of God, um, 32 times of, of that in the book of Job, seven times in the compound name El Shaddai, and the, ES, uh, the, uh, the NIV, excuse me, uh, consistently translates Shaddai as Almighty. So um, the, the King James Bible, it's a, a red-lettered version of the Bible, uh, translates um, uh, El Shaddai as the Almighty God, God Almighty or the Almighty, meaning God is the all-powerful one. They also reference that the title is found seven times in its full form and 41 times in the form of Almighty. Initial thought, right, when I heard this word, El Shaddai, God Almighty, you think of this all-powerful being, the God who is strong like the mountain. Um, I, I, I enjoy watching documentaries, especially on Mount Everest, 
I think it's just the, 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 the majesty and the grandeur of this mysterious mountain that kind of captivates you in a, while, in a way. And if you've been to the Drakensberg on holiday or wherever down in the Cape and you, you, you stand in front of these mountains, you realize how small you are and significant to this massive rock. And I liken that to God who is our fortress, our strong tower, the rock that is unshakable and unbreakable. And so the, 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 the meaning behind that then in, in terms of God Almighty, yeah, that I can capture. But then they bring in this element as God the provider. And so what's quite cool and quite interesting, if you, if you go back to that thought of the translation Shaddai for the Hebrew word for breast, we find in, 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 in history context, now I'm, I'm not claiming to be any expert, or I know very little of this, but the historical facts around Shad, this Arcadian spirit, they seem to have been this maternal goddess of many breasts. And so this picture of what is um, uh, construed or, or rather perverted in a sense God takes that image of what the world perceives and he turns it into something beautiful. And he says, I am the almighty God that nourishes and cares for you like a mother that nurses her child at her breast. I think it's a beautiful picture, and especially for women. You know, as men, we can relate as God the Father, as almighty but for a woman that has given birth and that has nursed their, their child, I think there's an element that we as men would never comprehend. And it's beautiful how God can use these various aspects to captivate the heart of both men and women. It's a beautiful picture. But even as a child, when you know being close to your mother, just being on her, lying on her chest, there's that element of safety, of comfort. It's a beautiful picture. All right. But let's get some context to the story. So... Um, God first calls um, Abraham in Genesis 12. He says, uh, leave your family, leave your household, and go to a land that I'm going to reveal to you. So it's this unknown land. God says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make your name great. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to cause you to be a great nation. This is in Genesis 12. Then God establishes his covenant with Abraham in, in Genesis 15. Thank you. Uh, I had Moses there earlier. I don't know why I got that wrong, but <laughs> it's Abraham of Abram in Afrikaans. And so God establishes this covenant with him. But Abraham's wife, um, Sarai, at that stage, she was childless. She was unable to conceive. And so um, when we, we look at Abraham, when he was first called by God, he was 75 years old. So throughout their life, and we don't know how long Abraham and Sarai was together, but I assume it to be a very long time. And so there must have been this, this hurt and this ache in her heart, surely in Abraham's heart, that they are unable to conceive a child. So when God calls Abraham and he makes this covenant with him and he says, I'm going to bless you, I'm going to make your name great, and there's going to be this flow of generations from you, he just goes, but what can you give me because I have no child? God has not given me a child. And so this, this, I think this element of, of hurt is there. Right, so 10 years later... Uh, around the age of 85, uh, Sarai decides that that's it. Enough. God's taken too long. It's been 10 years now. Um, and we, uh, let's assume she was also 85. The Bible doesn't tell us how old she is. But let's assume she was 85 too, and they just decide that's it. Enough. We are, we are now going to make a plan. And so she says to Abraham, here's my slave Hagar. Uh, take her and start a family. Let's start a family through her. So Abraham has a son. Through Hagar, Ishmael, 
And uh, uh, Jonathan so beautifully shared on, on, on that aspect where Hagar then calls God uh, Elroy, the God who sees me. So it's a beautiful picture. You see how this narrative just flows. And um, so Ishmael is born um, of Hagar. And Abraham was 86 when that happened. Then when Abraham was 99 years old, God appeared to him. And, and that's when we read this, this, um, this portion of Scripture where God reveals himself as El Shaddai. From 80, when Ishmael was 86 up until 99 years, that's another few more years, right, that Abraham had to wait in. And I wondered that in that time, he must have been weighed down by that maybe regret, the shame, the guilt of having stepped in and acted on God's behalf. Whilst waiting for God's promise to be fulfilled, he made that decision. And I think, you know, I've been there, I've done that many times before. And, you've done, and if, if you've done that before as well, where you've acted on behalf of God and you've stepped in to fulfill his plan, very soon thereafter, or in that actual moment, we realize that what we've just done is, is an illegitimate plan to, to fulfill God's promise. And so it's easy to critique him here, but... When you're in the same space, it's quite difficult. So from the beginning of the call and the covenant, 25 years later, God then um, reveals himself as El Shaddai to Abraham. Why, why is this so important for us? What is the progression here? It's this, this call, this covenant. Then there's this wilderness of waiting, a difficult place. Now, some of you might find yourself in a place like that already, waiting on God maybe waiting on something else. You've got to plan a dream, something you're contending for, you believe God has spoken over you, and you find yourself in this wilderness season, and it's a tough and barren place. It's a difficult place. Um, we've spoken about the illegitimate plan where we try and make our own plans to fast track that. Um, the, the, then comes the introduction of El Shaddai, God Almighty. But there's a response to, Abraham had a response to God. What the Scripture tells us that he, he fell on his face, Right? And then comes what I like to call the promotion uh, or the reestablishment of this um, covenant. If you have that scripture up again, we can see that God reveals himself as almighty. Now he calls Abraham. He says, walk before me. Other versions say, serve me faithfully. So now this is what, what some scholars liken to the public call of Abraham. Finally, the time has come that God says, right now is the start of the fulfillment of that covenant. Now you need to walk and serve me faithfully. Be blameless, be holy. So God is saying, right, Abraham, now is the time, right? Abraham fell on his face. I think firstly because he was just, uh, I think we would all do the same if we are confronted by God's presence, by his glory, his majesty. And we've seen it throughout scripture as God revealed himself to so many people. You You can't face God's glory. And so he fell on his face. But I think it was also out of just hitting rock bottom, realizing what he has done, being confronted by this plan and, and, his, and his son Ishmael through Hagar and just going, God, I, I've screwed up. I've messed up. And it's at that place, that rock bottom. And God says, right, now we can work. Where there's, there's a realization of what's happened, there's a repentance, and then there's reconciliation of what's happened. And then comes the promotion. God says, no longer shall your name be called Abraham, but your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. We see the same uh, in Scripture 
where God changes a person's name. God says, right, now we can work. Now that I've got your heart, now you shall no longer be called this, but this. When we come to faith in Christ, we, the Bible tells us that we become a new creation. And it's that new life, the very same thing here. Same with Sarai, became Sarah, right? So let's talk some, let's talk some application here. We, we've, we've looked a little bit about uh, around the name of God. What does it mean? We've, we've looked at the context of how it's fit in. And, and so what is the application to this? Well, the first point is that God is the one who reveals himself to us. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that beautiful that we don't have to run after God and beg him for him to reveal to us who he is? He does that first. Scripture tells us that he loved us first. He died for us first. And he reveals himself to us. Now, I want to go back to that picture or, or that, that, that um, illustration of the Hebrew word for Shaddai as, as, as breast. And look at the scripture. Isaiah, in, in chapter 49, verses 15 and 16, says, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you, says God. See, I have engraved on the palms of my hands. Your walls are ever before me. This picture of God as likened to a mother that won't forget her, her child that she has born. At her breast, he is provider. He is the one that nourishes and sustains and gives life. If we remember Jehovah Jireh, God that provides, this is, this is another element. These aren't separates. It's all the same God. Can you see how intertwined all of this is and who God is? That he's almighty, yet at the same time, he, it's this picture of a mother that holds its baby close. This protection, this life-sustaining. In Isaiah 66, uh, verses 10 and 11, it says, Rejoice with Jerusalem and be glad for her, all you who love her. Rejoice greatly with her, all you who mourn over her. For you will nurse and be satisfied at her comforting breast. You will drink deeply and delight in her overflowing abundance. It's a picture that we can rejoice in God, that we can drink from God, that we can be sustained and nourished that abundance of God. It's a beautiful picture. Furthermore, when we look at Almighty, Psalm 91 verse 1 says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Again, it's that picture. And Greg shared it uh, some time back, how it's this, almost if you think about a, a, a hen or, or, or any bird, it was the, the mother that clutches her wing around the young. A mother embracing her child. And it's that safety in the shadow of the wing, at the, at the comfort of the breast, just knowing that we are secured and found in God is a beautiful picture of an element of almighty. Again, I've said it's easy for us to sometimes think as God is almighty, but almighty in the sense that he is able to protect and care. I think it's, it's a beautiful image. Now, you might also think that why is it that God presented himself to Abraham and Sarai, so late, so, so, such a long time after he, he called this covenant. You know, I think there are two elements to this, and I'm also taking some, some points in this. But if you think about, Scripture tells us that, that um, Sarah was, was at an old age. And uh, further down, I think it's chapter 18, um, 18 or 19 of Genesis, when, when the three visitors came to visit Abraham. 
and they said, in a year's time, your wife will bear, uh, will bear a son. And, and so I was in the tent uh, outside, and, and when she heard this, she, she laughed. And God said, but why is she laughing? She said, no, I didn't lie. But she actually laughed in the heart because she thought, at this age, really? Now that I'm an old woman, now I get the pleasure of this. And God says, is anything impossible for me? Is, any, is there anything that's impossible for the Lord to do? So at this, at this moment when we are rock bottom, when there is nothing more and there's an emptiness, that's where God says, right, now I can work. Now that the fullness of who I am can fill that space of where we try and do things and when that complete surrender comes, that's when God says, right, now is the fullness. When it is humanly impossible for someone to conceive a child at that age, God is the God of the impossible. Ephesians 3.20 tells us that He is able to do immeasurably more than we can ever think or imagine. Beautiful scripture that we know so well. Why? Because of the, according to the power of Him that's at work inside of us. So God reveals to us who He is. And he speaks life over us. He calls us. He commissions us. Maybe He's spoken something over your life. Where we sin... We make our own plans, take matters onto our own hands. It, st- it, it sometimes stops that plan. But God is patient. The Bible also tells us that, uh, I think it's 2 Peter 3, that a day is like a thousand years for the Lord. And a thousand years is like a day for the Lord. It says that He is patient with us. He's not slow in fulfilling, his, but He's patient with us because He wants us to come to true repentance of who He is. You see, he waited for that exact moment when Abraham's heart was right at that time. And it, it, it was a painful journey for him. It was years that he had to grapple and deal with this regret and the shame. But it got to a point where he was like, you know, I can't do this anymore. And he fell to his face and he worshipped God. So, so this guilt and the shame as this millstone holds us back. But then God confronts our sin. God didn't say to Abraham, what have you done? You have failed me. You have failed this covenant. No, 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 no. God confronts our sin. God loves us. But Jesus died for our sin so that we may be found in the fullness of all he is. And that we may embody that fullness of the promises that he's spoken over us. And so God offers us this new chance and he sets the terms, right? He then says to Abraham, now walk before me. Live a blameless life. Serve me faithfully. And it's a hard thing because we, we, we make mista- mistakes along the way. I, I can test- testify to this continually. But it's in that place where we have to realize that it is not me, it's God. It's His power at work in me. When I am weak, He is strong. And so He gives terms. So that determines then, or our response rather, determines then the outcome of that. Like we said, Abraham fell to his face. He worshipped God. He, ex- he, he repented. I'm sure he accepted that. That reconciliation between God and Abraham took place. And then it was that reestablishment. He said, right, now is the time. Now we can work. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. Nathan Stone um, wrote a book, uh, The Names of God, and he says this. He says, the mighty, all-sufficient one demands and deserves our complete faith, a wholehearted faith. He further says in his book, to experience God's fullness, one must empty self. 
Again, this is a, a constant choice that we have to make, a constant decision that we have to make. That Jesus says that we should pick up a cross and follow Him daily. So it is a, it's a daily decision. And again, you know, I am, I'm, going to be, I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable and real here. And the moment where, you know, constantly I mess up. If you're in a place where you feel like you make mistakes all the time, and it's so easy for the enemy then to come in and to take hold of that point and to speak that over us. You've messed up. You're a bad father. You're a bad mother. You're terrible at your work. Look at what you've done. See how you've treated that person. And it's easy then to want to move back in that space and find our identity in that again. But that's where we are called, friends, to say, God, yes, I've messed up, but because of who you are, because you are the God Almighty, I can ask your forgiveness. I can receive your life again. And I can move forward in this space to say that because I am found in the one that protects and cares, the one who is mighty above all things, we can move forward in the plans. Abraham didn't shrink back, but he said, right, okay, I'm going to try again. And God's promise to Abraham right in the beginning of that call was that I will bless everyone that you bless. But I also curse everyone that you curses. So it was this promise of blessing through the generations, through Abraham, that God was able to say, I will work through you mightily. Walk before me, be blameless. And so, friends, we are again reminded that every day we carry our cross. Every day we say, God, because who you are, I can face tomorrow. I am found in you. It's a beautiful picture. Something we have to remind ourselves of every day. Don't live in, and I'm talking to myself here again, please, guys. Don't live in that shame and in that guilt and in that regret. The Bible must tell us that that God's mercies are new for us every day. That's how wonderful He is. That's how merciful and gracious He is. That He loves us. And and like a a, a father or a mother even, you know when your child does something wrong, you still love them. It doesn't change the way you love them. And that's the same with God. God loves us so much. Uh, a last quote from Nathan Stone that I, I'd like to use. He says that, so we see that the name Almighty God speaks to us of the inexhaustible stores of His bounty, of the riches and the fullness of His grace in self-sacrificing love, pouring itself out for others. It tells us that from God comes every good and perfect gift. That he never wearies out pouring his mercies and his blessings upon his people. But we must not forget that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. His sufficiency is most manifest in our insufficiency. His fullness is, is our emptiness. That being filled from us may flow rivers of living water to a thirsty and needy humanity. It's a beautiful picture once again of as we drink from God, as we receive this rivers of living water as we are filled with the measure and the fullness of Christ we are able just to extend that to others around us to a world that's in a desperate and dire situation at the moment questioning we can be his hands his feet his voice we can we should be declaring what he's doing in our lives and so I want to remind us again let's, let's walk in that place of fulfilling our our mandate to testify of God's goodness. Revelation says, by the blood of the Lamb and the power 
of the testimony, our testimony, the testimony of what God has done in and through us, that He has overcome, and we can overcome even more. So as I close, I want to ask you this question. What is your response to El Shaddai today? What is your response to God Almighty? Hebrews uh, chapter 10, verses 19 to 22 the heading of that portion says, uh, in the NIV, it says, a call to persevere in faith. It's actually quite beautiful of what Donnie shared last week. Keep following. But it says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, His body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. It's a beautiful reminder of what Jesus has done and a call of faith to persevere that we don't live in that place of guilt, but there's this divine transaction where Jesus takes our guilt and our shame and our regret and our pain and He replaces it with His righteousness, with His holiness. And we can stand before God in the most holy place, before the Father. And He sees us as righteous and holy. Can we pray? If there's anyone here today, anyone joining us online, if you, are, if you recognize with that picture of having a millstone around your neck, if you are battling with shame and guilt and regret of having stepped into the plan of God, having taken over that plan and say, I can do a better job. I can plan my life better. I know what's best for me. If you live with that guilt, that shame and regret, be comforted today by the fact that God sees you, that God is almighty, all-powerful, all-sufficient, all-caring, that He provides for us, that He nurtures and supplies, and that all satisfaction can only be found in in Him. Today, let your response be this. May we, God, as Abraham did, fall on our faces. May we present our hearts before you this morning anew, God, and say, Lord, forgive us for what we have done. But thank you for who you are. Thank you that we can trust you. Thank you that we can call upon you. Thank you that you love us and care for us and provide for us. Thank you that you are the almighty God, El Shaddai. Today, Lord, we receive again that call and that commission that you've spoken over us. Father, I pray this morning that you would exchange again in hearts, take that guilt, that shame, Father, and replace it with your love and your grace and your mercy in you, Lord. Father, this morning, by your spirit, I, I, I want to speak life over us, God, that we would remind ourselves and we would remember that call that you have spoken over us. Lord, would you even afresh and anew this morning come and commission your sons and your daughters. Come and speak life over your sons and your daughters. Call them out of that place, God. And Holy Spirit, would you help us to come and glorify the one who is worthy and to walk in the fullness just as God calls us to do. Walk before me. Serve me faithfully and be blameless. Help us, as Jesus has said. Give us, Lord.
forgive us, help us to forgive those that have transgressed against us. But forgive us, Lord. Lead us not into temptation. Help us, God. But deliver us, Lord, from the evil one so that we may walk in the fullness of who you are. Today, Lord, let us rise in sons of daughters of the Most High through the inheritance of Abraham, God, of the father of a multitude, Lord, that we are still found in that covenant with you, that we are yours and you are ours, God. May we never forget that. Thank you, Lord, that you see us, that you love us, and that you don't leave us where we are, but you pick us up and you hold us close to your chest. And we are found in you, loved by you, safe and secure. Oh, Lord, you are beautiful. You are so worthy to be praised, God. Thank you for everything that you have done. We bless you. We bless your holy name. And in Jesus' name we say, amen and amen and amen. Bless you guys. I hope this really that the this series have sparked you and just captivated you again. Go and, go and read up on the other gnomes. Go and allow God to just captivate your heart by who he is. And then make him known to those around you. Tell them of what he has done in your life. Have an amazing week. May God bless you, protect you, keep you. We'll see you Saturday prayer meeting at Lord's. Otherwise, we'll see you back here. To the guys online, bless you. Have a great week.